This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite Quick Bite. Thanks to Harlan Hogan's Porterbooth Pro and Rode Microphones. We're once again joined by our special guest, Dan Brum. But in this Quick Bite, we're talking about an ad that aired during the Super Bowl for T-Mobile, I think it was. Um, let's just have a bit of a listen to it. It's time. Time to watch the drama with your family. Or you could share your family drama on T-Mobile. Share the hardcore trash talk. I hope you got a chin strap for that wig. I'ma knock the taste out your mouth. Distant relatives will see every highlight. And ugly lowlight. Mobile 5G, you could call in a ringer like star tight end Travis Kelsey. Is Anderson. There's a lot you don't know about this family. What? Together, you and Travis Kelsey would put on a display of speed and power that crushed the competition, just like T-Mobile 5G. Somebody get him help. I can't feel my feet. And family and friends would celebrate as you scored the winning touchdown. Don't trust your family drama to just any network. T-Mobile is the leader in 5G. Mama? 5G! It works in the end zone! George, you, you flagged this when you heard it during the Super Bowl. What was your issue with the spot? What bothered me was how the voice started to just get further and further buried into the mix. And so you would start losing words in the, in the sentence where you just sometimes couldn't even quite make out what he was actually saying. And, you know, my thought was, well, okay, I'm using a Samsung speaker bar. Maybe it's not the greatest speaker ever. But it does a hell of a good job of, you know, imaging the center channel because it's a, it's an Atmos speaker bar, you know, and it has, it's, it, it, you really hear center channel stuff really well on the speaker. Like it, it puts the voice right out in front. And I still couldn't hear that voice sitting over under them. It was just buried. Mm. And uh, I was like, what's going on here? And, and so I just put it up on my Facebook, just did a little mini Facebook rant because it's a nice way to, you know, get engagement and, get some people's feedback and uh, a lot of people concurred. So then I was like, okay, it wasn't just me. No, It wasn't just my speakers. It wasn't just me having it in a bad mood or whatever. It was just, it, it didn't work. It's funny. A lot of people on your Facebook posts were talking about, you know, processing and not processing voice and audio engineers who weren't doing their job. But I, I don't know, for me, looking from the outside in and having sat in sessions similar to that, um, there's a lot of high, pro- high profile names in those voices of the, of the people in the background playing football in the park. And, and for me, a scenario, a scenario that came to mind that was totally plausible was that this, this poor audio engineer was sitting in a, in a session where the, the clients were sitting at the back of the room going, hey, we've paid an absolute fortune for, you know, this guy to do this and this. We want to hear him, man. We don't want him buried in the background. Bring him up some more. Bring him up some more. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I kind of, I, I have a funny feeling that that may have been the case. Like, it's like the mixing engineer lost the, lost the battle. Yeah. He, he, he just had to, yeah. everybody wanted yeah. more of me. Yeah. And that's just what you, that's what you get. He needed that's, the client that's fader. The, that's the result of... Everybody wanting to be loud enough, the loudest. I don't know, Dan, you've been there, done that. How, what's your thoughts? Yeah, look, you know, it, it always falls on the audio engineer, the mix, but often decisions are out of your hands. Like if the director and the client want something louder, like what are you going to do? Mm. You've got to, they've got to be happy with the mix. There could be another part of this and it could be something to do with COVID. 
Um, if you've got a client listening on a cheap pair of headphones, then, you know, they're yeah. going to make really wacko decisions. True. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Could be. Robert, what about you, mate? I didn't have such a problem with it, and I think it, it could be because we just listened on headphones, or I at least listened on headphones and didn't have as much trouble hearing the voice, but, you know, often the voice is much more clear on headphones. So perhaps this whole thing was QC'd or a heavy QC was happened on headphones because of COVID and people's Highly situations. I, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. All the clients yeah. are on headphones. And Dan, you made a it, comment um, that there's a lot of, not, yeah. not a lot of bottom end in there. And for me, the voice doesn't have a lot of cut compared to what's going on in the background. Cut. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I know in music mixing, a big part of it is cutting out EQ notches for each instrument, right? So they all have their own little place to sit. And so I know you can't maybe so do not do that so much with human voice because they're all overlapping in the same... But but it happens, in a, it happens in a spot naturally. But it seemed like there was even no compression on his voice. Like the dynamics were out of control. He would go up and he would go down. And he would go up and, you know, he, it was, it was, they could have put compression on it. Like, there, it didn't seem like there was any compression on his voice. Was it just me? Well, there's also, I, I, I don't think there was much compression, I agree, because it wasn't like really up front and kind of like, it didn't have that smushed sound at all. And often with dialogue, the dialogue sounds thinner. Usually it's the dialogue that doesn't have all that bass. When you're talking about, you know, compressing or not carving out EQ for space, often it's the voiceover that sounds more full taking up that space where the other dialogue is maybe a little bit more filtered because it's distant. It's not meant to be up front or like the voice of God kind of thing. So I think that's one of the things is that it was competing not only because of the volume, but just because of the EQ space. It was more over where the the dialogue was and, and, and all the on-camera stuff. I kind of stepped on you, Dan. What were you going to say? Sorry. No, look, it's, it's hard for me to comment because... Um, I just, I'm not sure whether it's a streaming thing where, it's, you know, often you, you lose a bit of the bass with sort of shittily kind of recorded things, but um, it just felt like it didn't have this lovely bassy sort of presence that I wanted to hear. Um, seemed, seemed very sort of trebly, and, but I'd have to hear the spot a few more times to really comment, I think. Yeah. I think the compression thing, you know, is you're pretty spot on, George. I, I, especially on the main voiceover, I don't think there's anything. Or if there is, it's only very subtle. It really, and this is why I kind of got into that. I kind of took the conversation on Facebook in that direction. Mm. You know, he sent it, he did what he was asked to do, you know, dutifully, mm. send it in raw, or he was recorded on Source Connect. So he was giving it to him off the mic, off the pre, yeah. as is, just completely flat. Yeah. And to me, it's what it sounded like on the mix, just a completely flat, unmixed sound. Interestingly, in that in the chain that followed your post, there was a whole bunch of conversation about processing or not processing voice, and there was a whole bunch of guys going, "Yeah, I process the shit out of my voice, and I send it off, and too bad, blah blah blah." And 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 here's the here's the thing that that if the, if that was the case with this spot, that that poor audio engineer might have had to deal with. If you've got this voiceover that's been delivered with the living shit compressed out of it and EQ'd to the to, to broadcast quality before he even gets to touch it, what does he do when the client turns around and goes, gee, that voice sounds a bit compressed? Or gee, there's a bit too much top end in that voice, or gee, there's not enough bottom end in that voice. There, there was a whole conversation problem, that went on. Absolutely, I I process everything. That's great. It might sound good in the studio and it might give you a hard-on that you sound awesome. But some poor engineer 
has to sit in a room with three, four clients <laughs> at the back of the room and fix your fuck up. And and that's Sorry. what gets my goat. So and you I, and I, didn't, about this? I didn't put this on Facebook the other day, but the more I've thought about it, the more I've stewed on it, and it really oh, I upsets you me. On, dude. I tagged you in the freaking post. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. So you know what I mean? It's like it, it's great that you sound good. I'm so glad that you sound fantastic and that you can play that track to all your friends and go, look how big my balls are. But some poor arsehole has to sit at the other end and fix that shit. So right. anyway, so I've you're rant sitting over. on the fence on this one, Robbo. No, no, I'm not. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> rant, rant over. Well, I'll tell you what. What I've done to fool voice actors into thinking how great they sound is I've even set up chains for their monitoring, like you would for music production, so that they're monitoring through their their manly Vox box three to one compressor, blah blah blah, and they're not printing it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, an, that's a good monitoring, well, think, monitoring chain. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I have no problem with if a, if a voice talent wants to hear something different in their cans to what I'm recording, absolutely not a problem. I will I will make you as comfortable as I can, but I'm also going to get the recording that I need to do the job that I need to do. Absolutely. Right. Okay. I yeah. have the solution. Go on then. It is better to record in stereo. And you as the voice actor are required to have a pumped up version of your own reality on the right side and your pure oh, mic track. on the left side. There you go. And then <laughs> it will be like parallel compression for the engineer yeah. to just just do the balance of what do you want. Yeah. Like his version of or that their version of, of what they like or what you need or something in between. Like sometimes it's like, hey, sounds good. Great. Let's go. Done. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that for me. I could set that up. Yeah, I think that's the plan. <laughs> I think that's the plan. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. a hell of a compromise. Well, if right. you could see my parallel compression bus, it's a, it's a it's a um an H compressor from Waves, basically cranked all the way up with a, a really fast attack and a really slow release, <laughs> and that sits parallel to the um to the voiceover bus. So yeah, so yeah. Absolutely. Well, this is an interesting one for you, know, you, Robbo and Robert and Dan. Um, because I've worked in studios in Melbourne, one in particular that I've worked with, and I know that he's actually running compression into my cans, but not capturing with compression. Okay. And I'm guessing it's to make me feel good oh. about what I'm hearing in my cans. Did, have you guys ever done that? I haven't, no. I do that in music sessions. Yeah, right. Is that just to give them some clarity over what's, so they can sitting well over the, what the, the instrument, instrumental track they're they listening to? They don't push so hard either. Um, it's to like keep them in the same place on the mic a little bit so that they're not moving around or I don't know, it's that it's so that they feel that they're hearing themselves. Well, the music is usually like a lot more dynamic and they want to hear things kind of mixed and it's more inspiration mm. when they, when things are yeah, sounding good, it's got the energy to the mix. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice one. I'd love it as a voiceover. Would you? I, I might set up something like this for one of my longtime clients because he has this bizarre affectation where he has a volume knob for his cans that he writes. Yeah, tell us about this guy. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to yeah. call him out, but maybe right. he'll be on the show and he'll talk about it. But he, Why don't you he just rides give him a his volume pedal. On his cans, like, like, yeah, I, I thought like about volume that, giving him a wa- a volume guitar pedal yeah. that could run his headphone in. Totally. But um, <laughs> yeah, and and he's so, but he's used to the knob because he did. It's an old radio trick. He was doing it back in the day on the radio, and so he's used to having a big Bakelite Gates knob headphone level on some board, you know. So I got some old Bakelite mixing board knobs and put one of them on a volume monitor controller box. <laughs> and he, that's what he uses. What, what, 
what's it's he solving? wild to watch what's him he, do it. What, what's he solving by yeah? What's he trying to do? Gain? What's he? It's sort of an extreme version of this, where once he once he starts to speak, he drops the can level down to a tolerable level, and then as soon as he gets to the end of the phrase, he cranks it way up, and so he's hearing the little bits of detail that come at the end of each word and at the beginning of the next word. And that somehow helps him better articulate or hear what he's trying to perform. And, and I've, I've watched him do it. In fact, I've watched him do it on a YouTube video recently because he does little videos for, for fans and just does it, you know, to show them in his booth. And I'm like, there he is. (laughs) There's his hand that's doing it. And uh, I was like, uh, I mean, try to weed him off of it, but I could, he has an Apollo. I, I could set that up where he, monitors through a compressor you know george do you know the 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 old dbx 160x the 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 one sure, rack space classic, model compressor just has like a slider on the front no no it's no no that's the half rack space the 160x is full rack space it's got like two really long like led meters, meters like, and it shows yeah. the input and the compression um yep. it had negative compression ratios only huh. compressor i know of that has this and I what does think, that mean? Because I'm not even do? sure what it does. Exactly. What does that mean? I think what it means is that when it compresses, it will go below the threshold. Really? Oh, I see. It'll why push would you, the volume lower than the that? threshold point. It won't keep it. Well, here. Once he starts talking, it goes below. And then at the end, when it goes above, it gets even louder. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So is and that like an expand? expand? You put that in yeah, there so with like a parallel it's compression. It's almost yeah. expansion then. But is yeah, that expansion? What is that weird compression ratio thing on that? That's a good question. In, interestingly, back on listening to stuff, though, there's a, 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 a unfortunately, he passed away a year or two ago, but there's a, a really well-known Aussie voiceover guy, a guy called Paul Ricketts, or Doc, and he didn't listen to himself at all. He would, he would come in to voice promos for me when I was working or freelancing at Foxtel, and to do a drop-in, you just have to hold the talkback open so he could hear up to where he needed to <laughs> and then just close the talkback and he'd drop in. But he was impeccable. I've seen more yeah. classical actors want to be in the booth with just a speaker that's talked back from the control room. Mm. Um, and then they just don't want to have headphones and they don't want to hear themselves. They just want to be on the, there's like there. Um, yeah. I'm sort of the same as a voiceover. Like if I'm at home, I sort of, I don't wear headphones. I'll just, because I know my own voice and I know what it sounds like. And obviously I then cut it up with my headphones and Pro Tools. But the, the hardcore compression in your ears, like sometimes it's lovely to have that richness, but often if it's really loud and present in my ears, you end up talking a lot quieter. Yeah, because I was going to say, you yeah. yeah, another trick, you know, often I'll actually take half a can off an ear and you can hear your voice mm-hmm. in the room then and it kind of really helps you sort of talk more naturally and rather than sort of too voiceovery. I, I I do that for all my, just my meetings and stuff. I had a broken pair of headphones and I literally ended up pulling off the headphone and snipping the, the other side of the wire. And it's just like a one headphone yeah, right. headphone <laughs> for, and, and you do, you speak more naturally because yeah. you're, you're not like speaking too loud actually, I think is what happens. Just out of interest, Dan, with Bluey, the, like you recording kids who clearly probably don't have as much control of their voice as others. Is, is there some processing in the recording chain for them to keep those little peaks in check or do you pretty much just let them go through to the keeper? How do you do with that? Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it is tricky, the kids' voices, um, because they're not sort of trained actors. They often, like the, the way they speak, they really explode out of the gates. So mm. their, their lines are just, it'll be a huge spike and then the, the thing will go down. So if you look at the waveform, it's like, the first syllable is nearly peaking. 
then the rest is barely visible. Uh, so, yeah, that's a challenge, kind of processing all of that. That's usually the sign of an amateur yeah. actor, too, not just kids. Yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Let's go to the shops. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, yeah. And so it's, you know, you, compared to the mum and the dad, it's just these lovely, beautifully recorded things. Uh, that is quite a challenge to really, uh, and not only, like, to make it sound neat and compressed and everything, but like that spike often really overloads the microphone and the preamp, and it kind of mm. can sound a bit harsh sometimes. Uh, but you know, it's, it's sort of quite a low. Do you deal with that? <laughs> kind of how they do speak you, with these things. Yeah. So, do you bit. deal with that with clip gain in your Pro Tools session, or are you just using purely compression and peak limiting? A bit of both. Yeah. I mean, first thing I'll do when I'm treating the dialogue is I'll, I'll clip gain everything. And you try and turn those peaks down, clip gain those as much as you can without it sounding too weird, going bleeding into the next word. Um, but then, yeah, I run a, I run. It's probably a couple of compressors compressors in the in the dialogue chain. They're not doing terribly much, and it's not a super fast attack time or anything. Um, and a, you know, a lot of it's just writing the faders, like. You know, I've got everything compressing to a certain level, but then you just sort of, you see those things and you just kind of dip the fader on it. And it ends, yeah, it, it ends up not sounding so bad, but... Um, are you really using a fader or are you drawing it? <laughs> no, yes, I've got right. an actual fader. <laughs> yeah, whatever speeds me up these days. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. funny how many studios don't have faders these days. It's crazy, coming from the old school guy who started yeah. on tape. Well, I guess the bottom line is the actor's job is to provide what they ask for and... If it doesn't sound great, it's out of their hands. Well, that's our job. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Uh, I was going to ask how you how you handle levels. So, if they're kids and they're more dynamic, um, and that you know, do you do you just set a really conservative level, and and really nothing should should clip, you know, and then just clip gain it all up, like when you're all done. Uh, yes and no. I sort of, if I'm the one recording the kid, I'll be in the room and the director's usually in the room with the kid or with me as well. Um, and I just kind of, you've got to really be pretty present and you, the director will say the line and the kid parrots it straight back. And so if the director, it's a shouty line that you, you hear him say, you just quickly lower the gain pot and you try and crank it up because kids can speak so quietly on some lines. So you're just, you're just kind of riding the, the, the gain pots on the fly. Um, and I'll, I'll some really escape through, wow. so like because some is just too quick, and the kids will just shout a line, and it'll kind of it will distort to hell. But you know, you can kind of fix most of that with RX declip. Um, if it's really bad, you might be lucky enough to get a retake. But in the end, like a lot of sort of audio sins make it to print just because it's a good performance, and people don't really notice. Here's here's the old the. Uh the old trick with um, production: take take the mic, split it into two preamps, keep one hot, the other one cool, and uh, record to stereo. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's a good trick. <laughs> yeah, well, we did record with two mics for a while. One one set quite low, but uh, I just fell out of that practice for a while. I wonder if the the Yellow Tech Puck Two Mic Leah interface would be nice for you. For your <laughs> it has an unbelievably fast um, auto sensing. Input gain control. So it's like a compressor, but it's controlling the input gain automatically based on your parameters. So you can say, I want a maximum range of 12 dB on the gain control, for example, or 20 dB. And it's faster than human hands. You know, it's much faster than you can ever. Wow. Uh, 
control it, but it will never, ever clip. And um, it's not AGC and it's, mm, it's sort of compression, but it's not, I don't know. It, I've seen some demonstrations. I was extremely impressed with it. It could be super, yeah. super, it could be really nice for recording kids and really unpredictable sources. Yeah. The, yeah, absolutely. The other similar product is the um, the Apex, uh, who's actually now an Australian company, has um, the it's a patented thing. It's called Mic Limb, and they have some sort of feedback that basically, when the mic preamp goes up to a certain or outputs a certain level, it literally turns the gain down on itself. Um, but it's it's gain at the mic preamp, so it again can't clip. Um, but there, there's this called Mike Lim, and it's. I think you can only get it on Aphex preamps. There's also uh, the Video Mic NTG from Rode, which has the same thing. It's recording two channels, one normal level, and the other one is minus 20 dB, I think, from memory. Yeah, it does that yeah, on there a you USB go. mic. Clever. And Tascam, Tascam's got a recorder that does that too, but that's that's more on the record side. You know, when you're right. when you're working in post, you just want to collect it so you can move forward with all the all the stuff. And you're it, working. It'd be with pretty that. easy to find the other side of a stereo file if if that had the un, unclipped material. Yeah, but if Dan's working with a Neumann, sounds like George's one would be the go for you, mate. Yeah, yeah. definitely going to look it, into it's, it. It's, it's, have a, it's word a pretty to your modern brother, technology. It's a, uh, a German product. The unit's about a grand US. Um. It's an interface, okay. but it does have an output, so you don't have to track through the USB interface. You know, you can just use it as a pre. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, be, yeah, yeah, okay. in stereo. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that be, could become part of a workflow. That I, ever since I saw it at NAB yeah, yeah. Uh, here in, in Vegas, like six, five, four, five years ago, I was like, "Wow, that's incredible! That's impressive technology." They first put it inside a handheld microphone. Actually, I'm just not. I'm just not convinced. It's not a. It's not a compressor in 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 the end result. It's it's compression. Like it's always because it's so fast. It's a bit like um, uh, vocal writer that waves plugin. I would presume it's not yeah compression yeah. as such. It's just right. sort of writing the input. It sort of is what a compressor is, right? Like even volume yeah, true. writing. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think it is compression. As soon as you're changing the gain over time based on the volume of the output of its output or potential output, you're that's a form of compression. It. It's, just yeah. a new, it's just maybe a new kind of compression. You know, you have optical compression and all these different. You know, it's like this intelligent is just DSP compression. Yeah, sounds like right. the audio department right. of Bluey needs a uh, a budget increase, though, Dan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be handy. <laughs> Maybe we'll get send, one this year. Send a message I'm to the producers for me, please. Yes, yeah, yeah. indeed. Well, if they're listening, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually, another another way you could do it too is um, you could actually get a, I was going to say a stereo mic, but then you'd have to run it properly in Omni. But you could just have two 416s or two mics uh, patched in left and right, one running a really low level. You split the microphone and then you run phantom power on one preamp and not on the other. I also have a $300 audio interface that does it. I have the MicPort Pro 2, <laughs> and it has a 12 yeah, dB oh, yeah, down right. channel. So yeah, right. it gives you a safety channel built into the little $300 preamp. So Yeah, wow, well, isn't that I've clever? got a radial, a radial box that uh, does that splits. So that would be perfect, just have the radial box going into two different pre's. There you go, Dan. We solved your problem 17 different ways, Absolutely. and you never even asked. Yeah, man. <laughs> he did, he might not have even had a problem. How good is this? Four man splinters. <laughs> no waiting, baby. We just created Dan a problem. We just gave him one. Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty stuck in my ways. I'll, 
I'll, I'll keep riding the faders myself, I think. Yeah, it's funny how you get, because you, you just think, shit, if I change something now, then I've got to change the way I work and blah, blah, blah. And when you're 104. Under, yeah. When you're under right? the pump. 104 I'm 104 shows. episodes in. I think I've got, I've yeah, got the work I've nailed it now. Yeah, some, absolutely. Something certainly escaped. Don't go to a NAMM show. Don't go to any of those pro audio shows. Just stay home. You don't want to see anything <laughs> new, trust me. <laughs> no, I know. Don't get on I the know. internet, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this show was mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging. Edit by Andrew Peters. Using Rode microphones and Source Connect Now. Tech support from George the Tech Whittem. And supported by Harlan Hogan's VoiceOverEssentials.com. The home of the Portabooth Pro. Yeah, I'm back on track.